You are now listening to the smooth, mellifluous sounds of Red's Room Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to episode number 25 of the Red's Room Podcast. I'm your host, Red. And I'm your co-host, Jake. And today we are talking about the Adam and Eve story and the CIA. As always, our references are in the episode description. Check them out. So, to give a little backstory on what we're talking about here, the Adam and Eve story, The History of Cataclysms, is a book that was written by Chan Thomas, a former member of the U.S. Air Force, published in 1965. The book was classified by the CIA. Uh, through a Freedom of Information Act requested in 2020, a heavily redacted, sanitized version of the book was released by the CIA containing only 57 pages of the original 240. The careful guarding of the book by the agency has led many to speculate as to what information is in the book that is so sensitive to the government. The key claim made in the book is that natural ca- uh, cataclysms such as changes in the Earth's magnetic poles, shifting of the Earth's crust, volcano eruptions and or asteroid impacts have wiped out past civilizations throughout Earth's history, causing mass resets of humanity. The book has been a subject of interest among proponents of alternate history and conspiracy theorists. I wonder, though, if it's only... If it is only pseudoscience or conspiracy, then why was it taking, taken so seriously by the CIA? Another CIA involvement one. You always got to think they're classifying legit shit, but no could, one knew yet. No one knew. Uh, could be that they just didn't want, want it to cause panic. I think that's what a lot of us think, especially when we get into like, like JFK classification shit, shit like that, like... UFOs. UFO shit. A lot of the reason why is, you know, avoid the mass panic. It's one of the main arguments, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I just took a few excerpts from the book to talk about. Uh, I don't know if you had any more facts you wrote down you want to go over first before we dive into the contents of it. Did you find anything interesting? One thing that I did find, and I guess it's conflicting evidence, is that I did read as well that they re- they released a redacted version of the book, mm-hmm. but I've heard other sources that say that it's not actually redacted. I don't know if you read anything about that, but I watched a video of a dude who had the original copy, and there is pages missing, like blank pages on other sides, and they're mm-hmm. probably it probably is watered down a little bit. But I've what I did see is that it's they release most of the real shit. Well, I actually printed all of that out here mm-hmm. so i don't know if it's it doesn't seem like anything's really blacked out mm-hmm. but they did only give you 57 pages of the 240 which is very true so they left a lot of the book out mm-hmm. uh but going over that yeah it doesn't seem like this. It's like uh, the contents of those fifty-seven are different than the original fifty-seven yeah. in the book, though. Yes. Um, but yeah, he has some weird ideas in there. Yeah, and definitely get some biblical vibes. <laughs> he definitely <laughs> goes over the Bible. Yeah. So 
I cut out a few pages. I actually, uh, I found the full 240 page PDF online. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty easy to find, but I did yeah. link that in the description and I kind of skimmed through it and, uh, I just printed out some, uh, pages of it to just kind of talk about going through the 57 there. It basically, he just says that, um, there has been multiple cataclysms yeah. and he uses uh biblical evidence uh he even talks about uh in genesis saying that it's describing a cataclysm on the earth before adam and eve which was an interesting idea mm -hmm. um and then yeah this this page here talks about some of the cataclysms he talks about so i'm going to read this page here let's do it the last cataclysm known as noah's flood is pretty easy to study it was the start of the new Stone Age, brought about by conditions following the last inundation, when even basic requirements for living were no longer available. Since then, uniformitarian geology has been allowed by nature to continue on its path uninterrupted. Thousands of legends arose. Two cataclysms ago, roughly 10,500 years ago, which we now know to be Adam and Eve's flood, was the start of the Old Stone Age. You can find these two last Stone Ages in almost any junior high school general science textbooks. There again, this Stone Age was induced by the total lack of basic, requ basic requirements for living. It's extremely difficult to find data from the air between the last two cataclysms, but it's there. Plus, of course, uniformitarian geology pursued its normal path between cataclysms. Era history is all legendary. Three cataclysms ago, roughly 18,500 years ago, left little data for us. It is mentioned in Genesis 2-4. Uh, Shanadar Cave in Iraq gives us the best data of all. It's discussed in the text of this book on page 98. Four cataclysms ago, about 29,000 years ago, was the end of the Wisconsin era, and we find more data than we do for the third ago cataclysm. Interesting. Five cataclysms ago, 43,800 years ago, was derived by Jesse Hale, a super mathematician. It's a real search. So that's where he lays out five cataclysms, um, according to him. Yeah. And according to Bible evidence and some other evidence there, uh, some of that does coincide with geology, but I am not an expert in that area to tell you how much of it is 100% no. true. But uh, I would say going back to the last two cataclysms, um, you know, I don't know if if the flood, Noah's flood, was a full Earth cataclysm, but I yeah. know there is some evidence of uh, flooding around that time. And But about 10,500 years ago, I think that uh, he calls that the flood of Adam and Eve, but I think that kind of coincides uh, not too far off from the no, Young Adrias yeah. um, asteroid impact. I wrote that down too. Yeah, which maybe 
wasn't uh, wasn't as widely known when he first wrote this book. Yeah. How long did he say? He said ten thousand years ago. Ten thousand five hundred. Yeah. But I think it's like twelve. For on the, the wiki, Dryas. on the wiki, I looked it up. It said for younger Dryas, it said eleven thousand seven hundred years ago. Mm. Which obviously, I mean, I still don't know the validity. You would, I'd kind of want to hope that that's a good idea, if you want to, if you do want to subscribe to that theory. But uh, yeah, I think now there's a lot of evidence to support that theory. Definitely. So I'll give him, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for these first two cataclysms. Uh, further back than that, I, I don't know how you. It's hard to say. Yeah, I don't know how you figure that out for sure. It's we also would need an expert on that. Didn't they say too like there's less info on the third cataclysm than there is the fourth or whatever? It said yeah. In there. So it's like, it's hard to pinpoint. There's a bunch of crazy information too, like. The fucking Sphinx has signs of like water fucking striations on it. Like, <laughs> was that shit there before? Yeah. Fucking- uh, that's pretty interesting. That was, mm. uh, I think that's Anthony West who brought that up originally, saying it, it was older because of that. Uh, which it's definitely people talk, it's, it's talked about a little bit. Yeah, it is. I, I know like mainstream geology doesn't really subscribe uh, to that, but, um, I wrote that I forget how I wrote it down in one of the uh, videos I was watching. Like they really don't want to believe in like the mass cataclysmic floods because it re- it makes shit hard for them. It, yeah, it, it really it makes shit hard, and I get it. I will give him. I kind of like what he uh, the way he words this. Um, I would kind of um, explain it a little differently, but it sounds like. So, like, in, in mainstream geology, uh, they use that. I think he used that word. What was that? Like, uniformitarianism? What did he call know. that? It was a big one. Uniformitarian geology, which is, like, that. that's basically the idea, like, when you see the Grand Canyon, that one little stream yeah. took that down over millions of years. Yeah, the uh, the slow erosion process. Right, but then there's another school of thought which is not as mainstream that okay. is, uh, I'm probably butchering this word, catastro- catastrophism. Okay. Which basically says that yeah. like a huge, giant flood mm-hmm. could have wiped, mo- eroded like most of that. Period. Yes, much quicker than millions of years. But I like that he's kind of blending the two. He's saying that there were huge cataclysmic events, and then between them, for tens of thousands of years, between them, the regular slow that you know, geology was still happening. Uh, I, to me, that makes a lot of sense because you would have both things. I feel yeah. like both things impact uh, the landscape. I like that theory. It's not one. It's not one or the other. It's they both kind of do their thing and. Mm-hmm. There, there can be both going on or not at the same time, but yeah. Um, I'm gonna bring up another page now. Okay. This is just one paragraph off a page. Uh, kind of just an interesting side note here. He said he goes to uh, some predictions, talking about the next. Um, yes, the next uh, cataclysm coming. Yes. Yes, so I, I definitely read about this. He qu- he has a few quotes here. Uh, he says, if we look to Nostradamus, we find that his predictions end about the year 2000 AD. Whether we accept him or not, Edgar Cayce predicts a cataclysm about year 1999 AD. 
Hale's mathematics indicates one to be coming about year 2000 AD. Obviously, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, kind of cool. And, uh, you know, Nostradamus, some of his stuff did did happen that he predicted. Yeah. Uh, Edgar Casey, I don't know, but um, that's going to tie into a subject. We'll be talking about him in the future. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the Hales mathematics. He brought him up already. That might be something to look into. I uh, definitely heard it and read it a couple times where there is a lot of parallels parallels between those like smart guys like this Chan Thomas figure, Edgar Casey, Nostra- uh, Nostradamus. They kind of had some similar ideas uh, with the whole cataclysm shit and Y2K. It, it goes on and on, but mm-hmm. but it's pretty dope. I think these next parts I got come from uh, in, was it 93 or 94 he re-released the book? I had 93 written down, yeah. He uh, he re-released the book. And he added some sections to it? The one thing I will say is the Adam and Eve story, that 50-whatever pages, that is still in the book, as far as I know, basically unchanged. It's, it's verbatim the same. Mm-hmm. But he does add in some UFO stuff, which isn't too crazy. I feel like I have to say this real quick. On the wiki, I wrote down this paragraph for... Pretty much copy and pasted. The link's down below if you want to go verify. Mm -hmm. In 1967, aerospace company McDonnell Douglas assembled a small team of researchers to investigate reports of UFOs with the goal of discovering uh, the underlying science that powered such vehicles. I think this is another situation of reverse engineering. But uh, to continue here, Thomas was reportedly one of the four full-time researchers on the team. The team's director... Uh, aeronautical engineer Robert M. Wood wrote some four decades later in a newsletter for MUFON that Thomas had tremendously innovative mind and was a total out-of-the-box thinker, which I think definitely fits Chan's character. But it is... Interesting. It is... We do want to note that backstory that he was working on a UFO team, and I didn't find a ton of information as to what the fuck they were working on, but uh, in his re-release of the book to get back to in 93 he adds some ufo stuff and some like esp stuff some uh extra sensory some biblical things yeah more biblical things Mm -hmm. i've got some of that to share too yeah and one thing that i really noted from hearing other people talking about it and reading about it is that this second re-release of the book kind of seems unfinished and kind of like blocky and you know not the, the rough draft wasn't finished, is what mm. I'll say. But okay. there is definitely some cool ideas in it, but definitely seems unfinished. Yeah, I think some of the sections are unfinished, but uh, he wanted to throw them mm-hmm. out there, probably. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read a page from one of them that I thought was uh, interesting. Interesting. Let's do it. Gives us some insight into his thinking, I think. Okay. Uh, so this says, uh, reads, This is about a legend. I have struggled all through the writing of this shortest of pieces as to where to put it, and I finally was forced into this location for lack of a better place for it. And that is, it is in a section just titled Postlude. Um, Continue on. This is not a legend. I have found this legend countless times, which puts some aura of authenticity to it since it came from many widely separated places, if it did happen. It's more than a supreme coincidence that it did happen in so many places over the world concurrently. 
If it's a conspiracy to create so many identical legends, it would have taken an incredible, comprehensive, and titanic effort to formulate it all over the world and have not one person give away the fraud. The legend is this. At the beginning of a cataclysm, or maybe just minutes or hours before the start, a plethora of space vehicles descends and picks up those whom they can so that they may survive. The legends describe the scramble to board the survivors uh, to be and the many space vehicles landing at each location. Only survivors not taken could relate it. If it happens to you, be prepared for their ability to communicate with you so that you can hear them in your head before they land. Answer, and always be sure to think precisely the words you say, for it is your thoughts that they receive. May the great designer be with you. Yeah, what the fuck, dude? I want to know the sources of all the legends he found that I, say I that. I get enlightenment vibes. I get telepathy vibes. I get fucking full-on tall white vibes. Because like, in Noah's Ark, Noah builds an ark. Uh, there's yeah. no space vehicles that I know of in that legend, uh, that yeah, biblical that's... legend. In the legend of Gilgamesh, I don't think know of it talking of any space vehicles. I wonder if there's some maybe... I don't know Hindu legends that I'm or mythologies that I'm less familiar with. I'd like to know where he got where he got that idea. Admiral Bird. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I will say though that there are thousands of flood myths yeah. throughout all the cultures. And yeah, not just I always think like Abrahamic religions, but there's many others. Yes, it's found throughout the world, the exactly. legend of the flood. Uh, so I know that for a fact, but uh, I, I, I'd i really like to see his sources on this one. Yeah, I don't know where for sure. He's also, I could definitely see him doing like some like thought experiments, you know, just thinking <laughs> about shit, sitting in a chair, having a beer, eyes closed. But Or maybe as part of his UFO research, he has access see, yeah. to classified you know i'm happy you made that connection mythologies there. that we are unaware of you know like maybe there's there's tablets and scrolls that they yeah you know i artifacts yeah i've i have always heard that in the uh you know this is take this with a grain of salt mm -hmm. but um there's always been rumors that in the vaults of the vatican that <laughs> they have a lot of information that uh pertains to ufos yeah, there's a lot of theories of what the right. fuck is in there. The Emerald Tablet. Just to in get there. out there. But, yeah. um, well, there are like old, like Renaissance paintings that show what yeah. look like UFOs. And mm -hmm. there are yeah. some accounts in the Bible that sound like UFOs um, if you kind of look at it through that lens. Yeah, I can't put my finger on it. I forget the name, but I have seen a couple medieval like old fucking paintings renaissance era and there yeah there's like what the fuck is that in the top corner it looks like a right a ship it doesn't look like like what not saying i believe it i'm just trying to look at it from a you know a very speculative yeah. standpoint of okay maybe there is some some ideas there that go with it i definitely feel like he it only makes sense that he's getting some of this ideas from his time on that what was it the uh the McDonald, uh, the McDonald Douglas Aerospace Company, that 
he he had to have learned some shit with UFOs there. At least I would um, like to imagine. Possibly. I will say, though, him talking about them speaking to you uh, telepathically, yeah. that reminds me of uh, Ingrid Cold in the, uh, uh, in the Mothman, in the Mothman yeah. uh, stories, which uh, uh, there was a lot of people uh, co- cooperated that story, yeah. cooperated that he spoke to people telepathically. He wouldn't move his mouth. Yeah. Um, again, not... Not hard scientific evidence, but... But there is accounts of... Yeah. And we've all talked about it. I feel like nowadays we think of the the possible of telepathy with us being linked with like a neural link in our brain. Oh, you know, it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, we can just think and just, hey, I send you a text through <laughs> through our fucking brains or whatever. But uh, it's, it's fucking... It's interesting to think about. But what makes that all the more cool is these just presumed to be normal people being communicated to i don't know it it's hard to read into it's yeah okay this is the last chunk i got a little more reading here well i think i might skim through it this one's a little dense okay but um he talks about um let me read the beginning to give maybe some uh backstory to it it says during um th- oh and again this is another one of those added sections this one's titled our precursor okay this is in the 93 edition presumably I so gotcha yes. uh this says during um 1967 to 68 i was on special assignment with a large aerospace firm on yep. an advanced research project high in security while on that project, I found myself conjuring up some questions as to the effect on human physiology when a human is placed in the extreme low-density magnetic fields of outer space. Outer meaning beyond the radiation belts, such as astronauts encounter halfway between the Earth and our moon. On my own time, I worked with molecular structure of proteins in the human body and on the possibility of the low-density magnetic field environment having a carcinogenic effect. It only took me a few weeks, and arrived at two, I arrived at two conclusions. First, the protein structure, such as in the muscles and connective tissues, would literally come apart after about three months in that environment. And second, in the same duration of time, any person in that environment would be subjugated to a general uh, malignancy cancer from head to toe. I wrote a brief paper on the results of my study and submitted it to my supervisor. It was filed away and ultimately forgotten, and I was informed that it was not within the responsibilities of my task within the company. So we'll start with that part first. Yeah, so it seems like he's kind of getting into the idea that when you're out in outer space, your your body weakens. Yeah, and I think he's talking about beyond the Van Allen belts. Yeah. Um, with my limited knowledge, he's, ta- he's talking about beyond the radiation belts. Mm-hmm. So that would be further than the space station, I believe. So The space station, it's really not that far yeah as so, well like compared to what even the moon is the the station ain't shit right so i think the only humans would be the that would have encountered this actual um cancer causing that yeah that area would be the ones that went to the moon that's what i would assume as well because i know people can stay in the space station for like a, a year yeah you just gotta like work out they have like a, you just lose bone density. yeah you just learn but and they i I'm pretty sure they got it at a pretty decent spot, but you still lose a little, you know? 
you lose bone density. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but he's saying if you go further out past the radiation belts, there is a different magnetic field environment. Yeah. And I guess that it is uh it just causes cancer cancer yeah for whatever reason and he said head to toe i think he said like yeah within three months you'll be head to toe interesting so he gives that to his supervisor he seems like the kind of guy who just thinks about these things and just does this work even though it's not assigned to him just because he finds it interesting yeah his supervisor is just like yeah that's not what you're you weren't even supposed to do this and just files it away but uh yeah i think that gets into too like we all, a lot of us would know about the Bob Lazar shit. Like, seems like they want to keep you in one little spot. Don't get too, don't get too out of your bubble. You stay, you do this. Right. I don't know if Chance, where he's at, is as crazy as Los Alamos or whatever, but it does seem like they don't really, I don't know, secretive, definitely. I, I don't know if the guy is just a genius and eccentric and just, he mm-hmm. puts people off, you know, like... He seems like the kind of guy that doesn't really put filters on his thoughts. Yeah. Like, we might have some insane thoughts about something, but not share it because of how it might be perceived. Uh, whereas it seems like he just says it. Like they Even the his buddy that he worked on, or his colleague that he worked at this place with, said that he was an innovative mind and totally out of the box. So... I think it's only fair to make that assumption. Yeah, and from the way he writes the book, it seems like, yeah, he's, he's De- not scared dude, to just... Yeah, I've, we got to make that claim, especially with him writing this shit. He's definitely... He, 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 he thinks a lot differently than we do. That's for sure. He's not scared to, to be called wacky. Yeah. And uh, I, I like that about him. I like it too, man. Um, I'm going to continue on this. So that's the beginning of this story. It gets better. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it gets uh, better. That was a good start, man. That's that is only the first half. Okay. So then in 1968, there was an article on the front page of the Los Angeles Times about two scientists at Hanneman Medical College who have wondered about the same thing as I. Only they decided to find the answers through its experimentation with mice. Excuse me. They put a batch full of mice, all genetically of the same strain in aluminum cylinders, about six inches or so in diameter, half in the magnetic field environment the same as we live in, the other half in a magnetic field environment equivalent to being halfway between the Earth and our moon. Okay. Both sets of cylinders have the same physical environment, the same number of male and female mice, the same food, the same lighting, the same play environment, and the same water supply. After three months, the mice and the low-density cylinders all suffered the same effects. First, they all simply came apart, all in their protein structure, and second, over 35% suffered visible cancers, which could be considered um, head-to-toe. No analysis was made of internal cancers. I was so shocked to learn that my conceptual work had been verified by experimental work that I immediately made a telephone call to the two scientists. They were equally shocked to learn of my work and surprised that I knew why their results had occurred. My supervisor was also shocked at the accuracy of my predictions. The scientists invited me to uh, Hanneman Medical College to spend a week with them. My company cheerfully paid my traveling expenses. During my conferences with them in Philadelphia, they told me that there was something which was not released to the press 
and was not generally known. They hoped I could help them with reasons for these results, which disturbed them. The first thing they told me was that the mice turned criminal in their low-density magnetic field environment. So now I am going to summarize this because there's a lot of reading. Okay. So basically what happens is um, when they first get in that magnetic field environment, their behavior changes. Okay. And by criminal, they start raping, killing, and becoming carnivores. The the mice? Yes. Yes. Interesting. So, yes, they become carnivorous, raping, and killing. And that's what they describe as criminal behavior, whereas the other mice don't. Yeah, because they're just, they're chilling. They're in the normal environment. Yes. And um, Chan makes the connection that... When we get, I I think this is what he's saying, um, is that when the Earth is going to flip in magnetic poles and the magnetism starts changing in the Earth, the behaviors of people start changing too because of the magnetism. Uh, like in the Bible, like when it talks about before Noah's flood, it says the Earth became filled with violence. Yes. Um. He thinks that that is a sign that we are getting close to a okay. cataclysm. Okay. Possibly because of the radiation levels is, I'm, I'm assuming, Something his. to do with the effects of the magnetism in, on our body. The, okay. That we basically just have this feeling of impending doom. We know everything is about to end, so uh, a huge percentage will just say... I might as well just rape and kill because I'm about to die anyways, and we're all about to die. Yeah, it's a. It seems a tough, like a. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole moral. That's I- a tough idea. one, but you know, but the, I, the rats fucking did it, man. I thought it was a cool uh, thought into it. You know, and rats are different than human humans, but as we know, a lot of shit gets tested on rats or mice or whatever all the time. Like it's a decent indicator. So if they're going through it, then. I could kind of see us having a similar reaction. Yeah. I think a lot of um, studies have been done on the behaviors of mice that have correlated right over to humans, too. Mm-hmm. And so. I, I feel like that brings us to the actual like cataclysm that he predicts. The 90-degree uh, the rotation of the poles. Yeah. And where essentially, because if it rotates 180, not as much shit changes. But if 90, our poles become the equator, and our equator becomes the poles, you know? So that's kind of where we have... Is that what he says happens? Yeah, the, a 90-degree shift of the Earth of the Earth's axis, which would move the poles to the equator and the equator to the poles, and that would lead to the whole six-day fucking hmm. event. And it it's weird how he, he, he explains on the... It's a seven-day event. After seven days, it starts to settle. And I thought the poles flip 180, though. Or is he saying, is he talking about like during the process of them flipping? Yes. You reach that point? Yes. While they're on their way to flip 180? That's how everything gets fucked because you're in the opposite position of where everything was. So he's saying during, because how long does it, did he he mention how long it takes for them to flip? Seven days. So when we're halfway through that is, is when we're at the point that he's saying the. I mean, we also have to make the point too that. Who fucking knows how it's actually going to happen? This is just one example, yeah. one guy kind of theorizing about how it would happen. But he's saying when we're at that middle point, every it's fucked. Yeah, it's fucked. Okay. Yeah, and uh, as far as I know, it like 
it, the earth is gonna fucking freeze dude like, i'm pretty uh, sure you have like tsunamis and earthquakes yeah. as far as i know especially with the even even though shit's changing with water and wind still are gonna fucking move like it does not matter at all this is only gonna aggravate it even more so yeah it would not be a good time i think most of us i brought it up to red earlier that if you've seen the movie 2012 and the clips that i saw that's kind of the vibes you get just destruction interesting and i think this is also where they bring up the theories too of the continents moving like uh the whole idea that there was a pangea and there's other theories of different supercontinents and how things were located in different areas this mm -hmm. definitely kind of connects into that like how they shifted as well and i think it kind of connects into with the whole the whole water destroying so much that kind of has some atlantis parallels too well, you know, to me, yeah, it goes into the flood ideas too. Mm -hmm, yeah, definitely. But and um, not according to him, but I think actually according to just uh, you know, the scientific community is that we are due for a pole shift, aren't we? Yeah, multiple people have theorized around this kind of time period, even decades before it. We're due, if not overdue, for one. Hmm. Who knows? Who's to say? I Yeah, I did a little Googling of that uh, while into this, and it seems like some people say nothing is going to change. Other people mm. say it will be, you know, Armageddon. So wh who knows? I think that also brings into the, fa uh, the fact that our lifespans, like we're, we're nothing in the grand scheme of a timeline. Like, oh, the, the major cataclysm event hits 10,000 years after it's supposed to hit. Mm -hmm. In the grand scheme of things, that's fucking nothing, you know? Yeah. I don't, on the timeline of the earth. Exactly. To a human, it's a lot. To a human, that's a... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think of uh, the series uh, Graham Hancock put out called Ancient Apocalypse. Yeah, you tell me that's a good one. Highly recommend. But um, he shows... Uh, they go to these different parts of the earth where they've built, like, um, these underground cities in a couple different areas of the earth and he theorizes it was to survive exactly cataclysmic events on the earth i think he mentions uh the young Adrias impact yeah um but um yeah it seems like if i think of now too if it's a magnetic pole shift and the surface of the earth is going you know is crazy uh yeah the only way to go is to get down underground and I even think Chan references that there always is survivors left over, and that's kind of like you restart in the Stone Age. Now it's that whole idea of we get so advanced, and then shit gets reset, and fucking yeah. back back to square one. He um, he did, did does mention something cool here. You just made me think of in the declassified document. You can find it. Yeah. I should have uh, marked that. Should have marked out. the page, um, but uh, it starts with him describing the first cataclysm and everything getting wiped out. And he mentions something. If I can find it, I know it's close to here. Um, I can't find his exact words. Uh, I won't make you wait. But he basically says that the only thing left will be the pyramids. Yeah, and I think that's when I, <laughs> you know. That's what makes the pyramid shit crazy because there's a ton of theories to subscribe to and there's limitless possibilities of how old mm -hmm. they are. But I think that gives the idea. And, and when we say that, we're talking about Giza. E the, pyramids the pyramids of, of Giza. The pyramids. I know there are other pyramids 
there's evidence for them being built after. But for Giza I and the Sphinx, I think there's a strong argument that they are much older. And there's even weird shit, too. I even saw someone make the uh, Easter Island heads connection because if you all know about the heads, there's bodies that are buried underneath. Yeah. Uh, so is the connection that that's that's all on one um, equatorial line connecting uh, them? That well, I, I was going to get into the fact: Did the the original people who built them did they build them and then dig fat holes and bury them, or were they standing up and got covered? I'm going to assume they got covered. That that's just. Off the top of my off mm-hmm. the cuff here, I don't. Why why would you build them and bury them? Exactly. Was there an event that fucking? There's limitless connections to make with shit like that. I just thought it was a cool one. I don't have any evidence to point towards that, but and you even have stuff mm-hmm. like when we got to Atlantis in the art episode, we uh we talked what? about the Rashad stru- structure and water oh, striations and yeah. just well the uh, the Sphinx has been buried. Uh, I think multiple times too. Yeah, yeah. I even brought it up. The, so many different parallels like that, and once again, the water striation marks. Like, how fucking old is it? And then there, there is the talk about that there was a limestone covering on the pyramids of Giza with gold caps. It Dude. was believed an earthquake took them out. I don't know if it's known for sure. I that, that's what's fucking. That's just, it's the pyramids are just. That's the white yeah. whale of conspiracies like who (laughs) fucking knows man yeah but like chan says that's the only thing that's going to survive a cataclysm like all the buildings we build now yeah those will be gone a one tsunami wave he talks about like a 50 foot wave going over the whole continent dude i mean everything's gone everything is and not just man-made things full-on land bodies of land are going to be fucking gone like florida's fucking gone parts of the coast of the u.s you know other other shit's going to get covered up like yeah true the landscape will completely change definitely definitely um i can't remember the name of it but there was a show a while ago that came out that showed uh it was like after humans okay i don't remember if that's what it was called but it basically showed uh how quickly if humans were to disappear how quickly all evidence of us will be gone yeah it's it's amazing how fast nature so even without a cataclysm if it was just sitting how fast nature will just nature grow wins. over our houses and they'll be gone what that is even in other ways too with like the lidar technology they have now where they're able to find shit and like oh, rain South America. yeah that have yeah. just been completely taken over and it would have never been found if they weren't right you know so i i totally agree with you there nature always wins at the end of the day i thought about south america too because um there is uh the legends about uh uh the olmec civilization okay I think that was in southern North America and in South America. Sorry if I'm butchering it, but I believe they were in in like the Mexico area too. Uh, the Olmecs, there's there's little we know about them, but they like predated the Incas and the Mayas. Really? Yeah, and by the statues and carvings of their heads, they looked more African. Okay. Uh, so there's older civilizations that we don't even know anything about. Oh, it'll never end, man. It'll never end. And uh, one interesting um, legend, too, I think I heard this from Graham Hancock, 
was that of uh, in um, I can't I believe that this one was in Mexico or South America. I think it's it's I think it's in Mexico because there's the temple to Quetzalcoatl, and Quetzalcoatl was their god. But in the legend, he was a man that came on a boat of serpents and like taught all the peoples there how to like build society. Yes. So that's where I think um, I think Egypt has some similar um, mythologies too about people coming and teaching them how to build society. Yeah. Now, I believe other parts of the world have a similar legend of someone coming and teaching them. A lot of them connecting into Atlantis, water people, people coming. People tie it to Atlantis. Yes. yes. I don't know that there's a direct Atlantis connection, but that's what people say. Mm-hmm. They connect it to Atlantis or... Uh, just the idea of something like Atlantis. The idea of before there were a advanced people, some cataclysm wipes them out. Yeah. The survivors go out, and then now they're left with like these kind of barbaric, uncivilized, like he talks about a Stone Age. Exactly. But there's there's some survivors that go out and then start reteaching them some of the things that they learned. And so not direct imagine. evidence, but I think that correlates with what Chan is kind of saying on some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just an interesting thought. No, I like it, man. I think that that's about it for me. Yeah, I think I'm tapped out on this one. Uh, I'm sure on some other subjects we'll probably reference back to this one. Yeah, pretty interesting. But definitely. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, as always, check out our merch store and uh, drop us a like. We appreciate it. So until next time, I'm Red. This is Jake. See you.